Welcome back to Looking Unto Jesus. Today we're going to look at two authors who are going to um, set before us the great truth of the Christian faith, that the gospel is the preeminent message of salvation. The first I'm going to read is uh, an old but true favorite, uh, Matthew Henry. The doctrine of Christ's death and resurrection is at the foundation of Christianity. Remove this foundation and the whole fabric falls. All our hopes for eternity sink at once. And it is by holding this truth firmly that Christians are made to stand in a day of trial and kept faithful to God. The second is R.C.H. Linsky, the New Testament scholar. In all the universe, there is no other power that can save as much as a single soul. To reject the gospel is thus to reject salvation. To substitute something in place of the gospel is to substitute the loss of salvation for salvation. To dilute or alter the gospel is to reduce its power, possibly to a point where its power can no longer save. The gospel is God's power to effect salvation. The danger implied is the destructive, damning power of sin and death, Satan and his kingdom of darkness and doom. What human power is able to, to effect and escape from that? The security implied is that of pardon, peace, union with Christ and God in the kingdom of heaven as sons of God, children of light, heirs of heaven, what human power is able to achieve these. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the gospel. And Father, I pray that it would have its preeminence in the heart of your people and also in your people's proclamation. Oh, dear God, raise up men men who do not involve themselves in trifles or temporal things, but men who are focused upon your son, your son's death and resurrection, ascension, kingship, men who proclaim the singular message of the gospel. Oh God, this world is so far gone. What is man? What is even your people that we could affect a change? But your gospel, O oh Lord, please raise up men and women who proclaim this singular message of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew Henry begins by saying the doctrine of Christ's death and resurrection is at the foundation of Christianity. Truer words could not be spoken. And we can see this not only in the positive, but also in the negative. When Satan is going to attack Christianity, when he is going to make a move against the kingdom of heaven, he will focus on the gospel. He will try to deny the gospel or he will turn the gospel from a gospel of grace to a gospel of merit, which is no gospel at all. Or he will somehow try to distort the person of Christ. Who is he truly? Or he will try to distort 
the cross, that Christ died there simply as an example of God's love or a revelation of God's kindness or as a revelation of the injustice that is in this world. But that is not true. Christ died there primarily, primarily for our reconciliation. God made him who knew no sin to become sin, to be made sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Yes, the cross is the greatest demonstration of God's love. It's the greatest demonstration of every one of God's attributes. But we can't stop there. The cross is God's work, his exclusive work of reconciliation through his son. He says, remove this foundation, remove the gospel. Remove this foundation and the whole fabric falls. All our hopes for eternity sink at once. If Christ's death on Calvary was not for the specific purpose of atoning for our sins, then what other recourse do we have? God reveals himself in the Old and New Testament as impeccable, as holy, 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 just, just, just. He loves righteousness. He hates evil. Who then can stand before him on their own merit? Absolutely no one. Even if we were to try to find a balance and say it were 50-50, we would fall in the 50. Or if we said it was 99 to 1, we would still fall in the 1. There's only one hero in this story. It is Jesus Christ, and there is only one message that saves. It is not a message of works or deeds or the fulfillment of some religious duty. It is a message of grace through the great work of the elder brother of his people, Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Matthew Henry goes on to say, and it is by holding this truth firmly that Christians are made to stand in a day of trial and kept faithful to God. Holding this truth firmly, uh, holding the truth firmly is found throughout the scriptures. Even um, it is riddled through the book of Proverbs. It is not enough just to say, I believe the gospel. But we must hold on to it. There are so many temptations in this world to forsake the gospel or to turn to another gospel. We must not do it. Why? Because our very lives, our souls, eternity depends upon holding on to the gospel. Not deviating from it, not putting something beside it or above it. We are saved because of an old rugged cross. We are saved because of the gospel, no contribution made by us. It is all a work of God. And we must hold to that truth that when he died, he died not just to help us, but to save us. Not just that he was willing to identify with us on the cross. No, he took our place on the cross, bearing our sin, suffering the wrath that was due us. We must hold on to that and we must love it dearly. It must be precious to us above all the truths of God. The cross, the gospel is that one great jewel. He says that not only is it for our salvation, 
But holding on to the cross will make us stand in a day of trial and it will keep us faithful. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that he was constrained by the love of God. And the context there is the cross of Christ. What is the greatest way to, to build a wall against sin? By looking unto Jesus. By looking unto Calvary. What is the greatest way to increase our love for God? By looking unto Jesus. By looking unto Calvary. By considering, meditating upon, studying with a great depth the gospel. Now let's go on to R.C.H. Linsky, who's very bold in what he writes here. So clear and so right. In all the universe, there is no other power that can save as much as a single soul. But the blood of Jesus Christ can save a multitude that no man can count. To reject the gospel is thus to reject salvation. It's that clear. And be very, very careful because there are many things called the gospel today, but they are not the gospel. To reject the gospel. That God is holy and righteous. That man is morally corrupt, depraved and worthy of eternal death. That the son of God, the eternal son of God, not an angel from heaven, not a demagogue. The eternal son of God, the second person of the Trinity took flesh upon himself. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He lived the perfect life we could not live, fulfilling every, every demand of the covenant. And then he goes to the cross and there he bears the penalty for the covenant that we have all broken time and time again. He died having suffered the wrath of God in our place. He rose again on the third day, a literal, physical resurrection. And he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, as a savior of his people. If it's not this gospel, it's not the gospel. A dear old friend of mine who's now gone home to be with the Lord was sitting. In a seminary setting, a college setting. With a group of other professors and they were discussing the gospel and he brought up atonement. Substitutionary atonement. And one of the professors said this. Oh, yes, that is a very common theory of the cross. And my friend looked at him and said, common or not, it is not a theory of the cross. It is the theory of the cross, the truth of the cross. To reject the gospel is thus to reject salvation, to substitute something in place of the gospel is to substitute the loss of salvation for salvation. I can only think that those who claim to know the gospel and then substitute the gospel for another another message never truly understood the gospel. They were never truly regenerate, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. They were never truly a child of God, because once the spirit of God bears witness to the cross of Christ, to the eyes of a child whose heart he has enlivened, the cross will be precious and the cross will remain precious.
To dilute or alter the gospel is to reduce its power, possibly to a point where its power can no longer save. Do you know, those of us who desire to preach a biblical gospel, those of us who say that the gospel is the gospel and Christ is the savior, we should know that we could make ourselves very popular if we were just willing to change the definite article to an indefinite article. The world would love us if we said Jesus is our savior or Jesus is my savior. The world would love us if we only said Jesus is a savior among many other saviors. But to be faithful to scripture, we cannot say that. We must use the definite article. Jesus is the savior to the exclusion of all other saviors. And that's the scandal of Christianity. And that's what brings persecution upon Christianity. But to deny this truth is to deny the gospel and destroy the very foundation of Christianity. Linsky goes on to say the gospel is God's power to affect salvation. Oh, my dear brothers, listen to me. The more we mix into the gospel. Sophistication, personality, pleasantries. The more we dilute it, the less we will see of its power. The more we trust in our own mind, our own ability to argue, our own intellect, our own personality and eloquence, the more we lean on those things, the less we will see the manifestation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in all its power. The more we turn the gospel into just a story of God's love, leaving out the idea of propitiation, the less we will see the power of God in salvation. We must preach the cross that the Apostle Paul preached, a scandalous cross, a rugged cross. But a powerful cross, powerful to save even the most vile sinner. How do you know that? Because at least one of the most vile sits before you. But having been washed. Transformed by the blood of the lamb. The danger implied is the destructive damning power of sin and death, Satan and his kingdom of darkness and doom. Now, what is Linsky saying? He's saying these are all the things that were against the sinner and held him captive. Satan, a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of doom. Sin and death. What work can a man do to save himself from those powers? What deed can he perform? What merit can he offer? Man has no power to save himself from such enemies. Then he goes on and he says the security implied is that of pardon, peace, union with Christ in God, in the kingdom of heaven as sons of God, children of light, heirs of heaven. What human power is able to achieve these? What human power can save us from sin, death, the grave, Satan, eternity and hell? What can save us from this? What can we draw forth from our toolbox to save us? 
or our armory to save us. Absolutely nothing. At the same time, what could we do to ever reconcile ourselves to God? To bring ourselves to the point of adoption where we are the very children of God and loved by God. What could we do to ever enter into heaven, into the kingdom of heaven? Nothing. We're powerless to save ourselves from everything and we're powerless to save ourselves to everything. We cannot save ourselves from the condemnation of sin and the power of the devil, and we cannot reconcile ourselves to God and make ourselves sons. We can't. No one can. No earthly power can. No angel has the power to do these things. But there is one. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth born of a virgin, living a perfect life, going to that tree, bearing the sin of his people, crushed under the wrath of God, satisfying justice, giving his life, breathing his last and rising again from the dead and ascending to the right hand of God. Now there's a savior. There is our hero, Christ alone. Well, I hope this has been helpful, and I also hope that it is a reminder that there is a reason for reading old books. God bless you.